I just uh, feel in my heart that there's someone this morning who needs to assure themselves in the love of God. That God is on your side. God has taken your side and is not going to change his mind. God is for you and nothing can be against you. If when you were without strength, without energy, he died, when you were without knowledge, he said, how much more? How much more? You know, I just feel like there's someone that the enemy is tormenting with your inadequacy, with your failure to measure up. And anytime you want to think that maybe God will make it come through, it reminds you that your side of the bargain is not full. He attacks your faith by reminding you that your side is inadequate. It tells you about all the odds that are against you. And it convinces you out of the fact that God is on your side. But you know, God wants me to tell you that the evidence that you see, what you are seeing with your eyes, does not mean that God is not with you. In the valley, in the uncertainties, in the weakness, in the failure, in the confusion, in the waiting, he is right there. And he has not changed his mind. He hasn't changed his mind. He hasn't changed his mind about you. About being for you, about being with you, his promise to you has not changed. He's got your back and he's going to come through. And what you just need to do, even when you feel the pain in your body, even when you go to work again and you face that same situation, even when you look around and there's nothing and there's nobody, you tell yourself, my heart will trust in you. My, my heart will trust in you. You are my father. My heart will trust, will trust in you. In you. Will it happen in for me? You, will it come through? When will it change? When will it end? My heart will trust in you. A doctor's report you don't like. A boss's verdict that is adverse. My heart will trust. A news from home that is frightening. My heart will trust in you. My heart will trust. My heart will trust in you. My heart will trust in you. Make that your response. Though I walk, though I walk, I walk through You can't even tell anyone what the doctors have said. By the word I still my soul. My heart will trust in you. My heart will trust in you. 
when you respond that way, you'll find that strength will return to you. Faithful who is he who has said it, who will also do it. He who began a good work is faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus. Hallelujah. So this morning we are going to talk about love. Let's open to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'll read those last few verses that we've been considering for the last few weeks first. I will go back and read everything later because today's conversation is about love. I think we have been starting from 12, 1 Corinthians 13, from verse 12. So, um, in case you haven't been around, we have been on a series called Faith, Hope, and Love. And we are looking at that as the building blocks for spiritual stature, for spiritual growth. And scripture says, for now we see in the mirror dimly. No, let's back up a bit to 11, I think. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. 13. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So I have been reading this scripture and I've been saying from this scripture that there's such thing as spiritual childhood or babyhood and there's such thing as spiritual maturity or adulthood. And Paul is saying that the way that you understand, the way that you speak, the way that you think is what differentiates between a child and an adult in the spirit. Notice it didn't say anything about preaching. It didn't say anything about manifesting gifts of the spirit. It didn't say that, you know, if you prophesy or if you, if you, if you can raise the dead or if you can uh, preach up a storm, then we know that you are spiritually mature. That's not what he said. Instead, he said, how you think, how you talk, your level of understanding is how we know whether you are a babe or you are mature. It has nothing to do with gifts or, or out what is manifesting, you know. And then he said, when I, he said, now we see in the mirror dimly, but that time we are going to see face to face. That's still a, a continuation of the 11th verse. And what that tells me is that children, or you can, or let me put it this way, you, you, are as, you see as clearly as you are mature in the spirit. The level to which you are mature is the level to which you can see clearly. Because Paul is saying, he first of all talks about when I was a child, I thought, I spoke, I understood as a child. And then in the next verse, he said, now we we see dimly then we'll see face to face so it's still comparing that childhood and that adulthood so at the time when you are seeing clearly as if you are seeing face to face that's the growth or mature stage what bible also calls perfection if you see the the uh greek word that is interpreted perfection in new testament often refers to growth or maturity it doesn't it's not the way that we think about it as sinless perfection moral or let me say moral perfection right but it talks about spiritual maturity and the, the issues in spiritual maturity are issues of speech, understanding and thought. Right? So, um, and then I said that the scripture then says that these three things about faith, hope, love. Right? So faith, hope, love are the abiding spiritual energies that deal 
with the veil that causes dimness or childhood to the extent that you are growing in faith and hope and love the veil will be going away when I read this scripture to you I compared it with 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16 to 18 where scripture says now the Lord is that spirit where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty we all with open face beholding as in a glass we are changed to the image of Jesus from one degree of glory to another and I said that that thing speaks about that um, what Paul is saying about that now we are seen dimly if you read from that first Corinthians that second Corinthians chapter 3 if you read from verse 1 it was talking about the children of Israel how when Moses is read or the Torah is read there's a veil that does not allow them to see that blocks their heart then in verse I think around verse 12 or 13 it started to say that in Christ Jesus that veil is taken and then where the spirit of the Lord is and that's when I started to say to us that the operation of the spirit of the operation of the spirit as Lord is what removes the veil I'll explain for the sake of those who are not here I said a lot of us know Jesus as Savior we do not yet know him as Lord so the Holy Spirit doesn't operate as Lord in our lives. Who is a Lord? A Lord is the commander. The one that is obeyed at any cost. The one that directs. The one where you don't move until he moves. The one you wait on is the Lord. A lot of us, we are still the Lord of our lives. We decide where we want to go. How we want to do. What we want to do. And then we ask the Holy Spirit to help us. That is a level of Christianity. You remember how Jesus said to Peter, when you were young, you guarded yourself and went everywhere that you wanted to go. That's what Jesus said to him. He said, but when you get old, another person will guard you and take you to where you don't want to go. That is the spirit as Lord. A lot of us know him as Savior. And we wake up and we get ourselves and we say, God, I'm going out today. Make sure you give me, you keep me, you bless it and you make it happen. That is valid at a certain level because that's your rights and privileges in Christ Jesus. You own it. You are a child of the house. You should have access to that. Because my children, when they wake up in the morning, they expect breakfast. They don't have to beg me for it. I pay school fees. They don't have to beg me for it. It is my responsibility as a responsible parent. God is a responsible father. And he will do the things. But at a certain level. You know. At a certain level. Imagine that my daughter is 25. And I wake her up. I say come and back. I say where is your sponge? Let me beat you. 25 is too much. 18. 13 is too much. Because now I don't do that again. She has an, her own alarm clock. Give independence to children early. Let them do any, as soon as they can do something for themselves, let them be doing it for themselves. Wake up by yourself. Go to your God corner by yourself. That's what we call quiet time. It's called God corner. Read your Bible by yourself. Pray by yourself. Brush your teeth. Have your bath. Dress up to the degree that you can dress up. Let them do small for you. Then go and make your cereal, your breakfast. Let them help you, the one that you cannot do. Alright? That's how to be allowing children to, to have sense small, small. So imagine that she's 13 and then I'm the one that will wake it. 
I'm the one that will bath it. I'm the one that will feed it. And wear clothes. Is that not will you know that that shows a child that you are doing that for at 13 and 15, that child is likely to have developed what they call developmental delays in the natural. It's called developmental delays in the natural. That child is probably, you know, sick somewhere, which is very heartbreaking to the parents. A lot of us spiritually, we are having developmental delays and we are breaking the heart of God. We choose the developmental delays because we will not be weaned from milk when it is the time to be weaned from milk. I remember weaning my daughter was the easiest thing, but my son, oh my God. Oh my God. I remember there was a time I traveled and I stayed two weeks. I went to the US, I stayed two weeks. I'm like, this one, as I come back, he has forgotten, I'm sure. We have before this time we have tried everything. We have tried everything. I said this one, I'm sure he has forgotten. No, ah, uh-uh, ah, this child would have forgotten. This this time it was over one year. I win my daughter at 11 months, and there are people that scream that is. I'm like, well, let's not be doing each other public grace. Because before we are in public now, you start putting away and not supposed to put on. Before you talk more than this, let's end it here. You know. So, my son plus one, ah. So I came home very confident that it has ended. As from the door, I've not entered. The guy just drew my shirt like this. His, his dad was carrying him. He just drew my shirt from the door, as in you. Where have you been? It's not me. It's where has the milk been? He drew my like he drew my distance from me like this. I'm like ah, this boy. My husband shall pull him away. No, no. Okay, he stayed. It was, it was like, uh, so it was, it was like the boy was just looking at me throughout that day, like, I will still catch you. <laughs> I will still catch you. I will still catch you. So in the night, I wanted to have my bath. The boy, he, he, as in, see how he dove for the thing. My husband pulled me. That's how I started shouting. He wasn't crying. No. Complaining. We had to close all the windows before the neighbors would. You know, a child is crying, but the child is talking. Like, what is all this nonsense? Your people, what is this? He was screaming, boy. He wasn't crying. You know, he cried. He cried. Wow, wow. He was talking. I said, close the window before they come and say, What's going on here? You know, that's how some of us are spiritually. When you say, It's okay, this breast you have sucked is all right. This milk is okay. Come and grow. Say, no, I don't want. I must. So Paul is saying the things that deal with the veil is the veil that causes seeing dimly, speaking like a child, thinking like a child is the veil that causes it. The, 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 the veil is the canal nature. I've explained all this in previous um in previous series and I can't go back to them but all those messages are on Spotify just look for the Faith, Hope and Love series if you missed anyone is there I explained that the veil is the carnal nature what is also called the flesh and it is not this one when Bible is saying that the carnal mind cannot be subject to the law of God it means that the carnal mind can't take the lordship of the Holy Spirit that's what it means. The carnal mind cannot get to that place where the spirit is Lord. 
the carnal mind will argue with the spirit. The carnal mind will wrestle the spirit to the ground. You know how scripture says, my spirit will not always strive with man. Carnal mind will strive with the spirit and wrestle the spirit. Carnal spirit go, will go and rest. It's okay. I'm not doing it again. The carnal mind can't be subject to the law of God. It can't submit to the law of God. What is the carnal mind? When you're hearing carnal mind, don't think club or smoking. Carnal mind is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. That's what carnal mind is. Sense, common sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. Carnal mind is thinking outside the mind of Christ. Processing things outside the mind of Christ. Bible says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Who did not think equality with God a thing to be eagerly grasped? So there's a, there's a way that the mind of Christ is. When you see the mind of Christ, it processes things from a certain point of view. Humility. When you see a, a carnal mind, self is first. Your reputation comes first. Your self-preservation comes first. What they will think comes first. What they will say comes first. What about me comes first. My own and I. Me, myself and I is foremost in a carnal mind. When you see a spiritual mind, God, the will of God is foremost in it. They, the way they process things is different. The way they respond, the way they think through issues is different. The way they respond to life, the way they see life is different. Value system is different. It's very, very different. Why? Because of how the mind is, the engine that is running the mind. So when you hear, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, it means that the mind that puts the will of God first at any cost. That's the mind. That's, that's the, that's, 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 that's the way that mind works. Puts the will of God first at any cost. Number two. You know what number two is? Others. It's not even you. Others. Number three, you are last. On the back burner. I'm going to show you today. You know, you can be right logically, but wrong spiritually. When people look at you, when they hear the matter, they say, he's right, he's wrong. No, when God looks at it, he's wrong. He's, he's not, or let me put it this way. It's not a matter of who is right or wrong for God. Right? That's why when, they, when, they, when, when Joshua saw the commander of the armies of heaven, it wasn't about, he said, are you on our side or on their side? He said, no, I didn't come for sides. As the commander of the Lord's host, I have come. From the realm of the spirit, it's not about right or wrong. It's about will of God. Who is more aligned to the will of God? That's why good and evil judgment of man will always put man in trouble. Who is walking in love more? That's what God is looking at. Who is closer to the heart of God? Who is doing more of the will of God? Okay? So, I've gone ahead of myself a lot, but I will backtrack. I think we should open first to... Where do I start from? Ephesians chapter 5. Let's read Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 first of all. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. It says, Therefore be imitators of God as their children 
walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. So we can see here God is, um, Paul is admonishing and saying that that image, you know, in the last two weeks I said faith and hope deal with the veil. What is in that image? When you start seeing that image, what is in that image? And, the, and what is showing that you are becoming that image is your love work. How do I know? Because this scripture says, be imitators of God. So if you are becoming like God, then you are walking in love. That's the evidence of spiritual depth. That's the evidence of spiritual maturity. Open to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. If you have it in the Amplified, please help me put it there. You know what scripture says in 1 John 4, 8 and 16? I think I'll still read 1 John 4 today, but, you know, let's not go there yet. If you read 1 John 4, verse 8, I think, and then verse 16, it said, God is love. You know, Bible never says that God is power. Have you read it before that God is power? Have you read it before? God is powerful, we know. All power in heaven and on earth belongs to Christ. But Jesus Christ is not power. God is not, he didn't describe himself as anything else other than the only thing that is equated to who God is. The way to define love is that God is love. So what that tells me is that love is divine nature. Love is not, first of all, what we think about and do. It's not, first of all, an action. Love is divine nature. If God is love, then love, then it's an, love is an issue of divine nature. That's the nature of God. That's what you find in God. That means that love is the working of Zoe. If eternal life, if I really have the life of God, then the flow of it, the flow of it is love. That's the essence of the divine nature. The essence of eternal life is love. It's a nature, it's the nature of God. It's not something that God has and something that God does. Right? Love is who God is. Let's know. I was asking for 1 Corinthians chapter 8 in the Amplified. Aha. Thank you. Because I was saying that the depth of God in your life, according to Ephesians chapter 1, you know, he said you should imitate God, right? And then if you are imitating God, you are doing what? You are walking in love. So how I know that, how I, how I measure Christ-likeness in you is your love work, Right? When you are hearing, I am speaking, I am thinking, I am understanding as a child or as an adult. It is to degree to which love is coming out of you. I wanted to broadcast that point here. Now about food offer, sacrifice to idols. We know that all have knowledge concerning this. This is Paul. About food sacrifice. So in this, in this conversation, Paul was talking to the Corinthian church because... There were some who believed that an idol is a worthless doctrine. And it is. That's what Paul said. He said an idol is a worthless doctrine. You know that there are no idols. 
but this knowledge is not in every man. So knowledge, the knowledge of whether you can eat food sacrificed to idols was causing problem in the Corinthian church. <laughs> like there was a time that I was, I was living with my sister and she went to work and came back with plenty of salar meat. So I cook soup. So a mother-in-law was with her. A mother-in-law was like, God forbid, never, never, never. I have done deliverance. That they had to do a lot of deliverance for her to be delivered from those kind of things that she cannot go back to it again. I said, Mommy, it's true. That is all right. And I gave her, I helped her to find another soup. I didn't, I didn't trouble the poor woman to eat my ram stew. I helped her find another soup. I ate my ram stew. The only thing that she couldn't understand, ah, pastor. <laughs> you say, ha, ah, pastor, you are eating salamis. I say, like, by Allah, mommy, by the grace of God, I'm eating it. I've had neighbors that are Muslims, and during salah, they will share food. I'm not pretending, I collect it with joy. I think, I remember my former neighbor, this house I'm in, I still have a Muslim that is a neighbor that gave me salamis. I went and said a very big thank you. My former neighbor, my husband said, so I wasn't around. My husband took the food and told the woman, my wife likes ram meat. So when I came back, my husband said, you see now, he made me collect this. I said, what is wrong with the food? I went to go and meet the woman joyfully. Shoku. You know why? But I will not, I won't force my mother-in-law anybody to eat meat. Because this knowledge is not in every man. Alright? And if you if you if you true your own knowledge, you wound another person. That's what the old discourse that, but I, there's something I want to show you here. Then you are no longer walking in love. That's what scripture says. That's number one. Number two. Number two. Somebody took their time, used money to buy meat. Use money to cook meat. I, I understand if you think that the thing they have read, the psalm they have read on the on the ram, if you think that that's a problem for you, I understand why you are having crisis. But I know that there's no one that is good except God. I know that there are no idols. I know that. Two. How do I reject the the good, the kind gesture of that neighbor that we are not... The, hello? If that person will ever think of Jesus in life, it cannot be from you. Because you are not Christ-like. I don't know whether you understand. The way that some people will even reject it, the venom with which they will reject it, that you are, you are a low life, you are... You are <laughs> Okay, so I remember my husband said, like, when he, when he collected the food from the woman, I said, um, my husband lost, my wife lost, uh, that woman was very happy to say, we are worshipping the same God. And uh, my husband said, say yes, that when now God was like, ah, what did I say? I said, don't worry, God has forgiven you. You know why? It's not even the right time to engage. It's not the right time to preach. Sometimes you let your life do the witness first. You let your life do the witness first. Then I say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a child of God. We don't, you are a child of devil. 
you you are child of devil i'm child of god i cannot eat meat of devil i be worthy how do we want to do it Gogo? do you understand especially when these people are good people they are kind people oh interestingly i've had good muslim neighbors even those of us that call ourselves christians there was one that almost beat my husband at one point we sometimes you know we had the most problems with we once lived in a house if that lady is praying the landlord's daughter if she's praying you don't know whether is she's she's doing incantation or is prayer the way the prayer will be shaking everywhere but she's so lousy i, I remember i just had a baby i was in the house i just had to you at the time i was in the house and then she would for the flimsiest things when i was trying you know when you just give birth and you're trying to sleep in the morning she would be slamming the window slamming because you know maybe i close the door or something she will come to the window of the bedroom and be and the child that has not slept throughout the night and she wake up that child you know so i said all um, i said all that to say that um paul was talking to these people about you know that that issue of some meat is offered to idol some meat not offered to idol and all of that and then you know he said about food sacrifice to idols we know that all of us have the knowledge concerning this knowledge alone that's where you find religious pride you find it in knowledge alone when all you have is knowledge what will come out of you is religious pride knowledge alone makes people self-righteous arrogant but love that is unselfish seeks the best for others. Whether they are Christians, it says do good to every man, especially those of the household of faith. So it doesn't say do good only to those of the household of faith. It says love that is unselfish seeks the best for others. It builds up and encourages others to grow in wisdom. Read verse 2. It says, if anyone imagines that he knows, you see, Paul was saying, if you are mature, it will show in the way you are thinking, the way you are understanding. And I said, okay, oh, don't get it twisted. Oh. In case you have pedestal yourself, be, ah, as I am now, I'm almost touching God. We are the ones that are next. This matter of sonship, we have gone, gone high. You know how some people in their mind, when they when when message is going on, they'll be using corner of eye to look for somebody. Say, I hope Sister Josephine is hearing this thing. That yeah, is their mind that is going there. <laughs> you say, where is Sister Shade? You now you start to look behind whether she has not gone out as an usher. Ah, and she's the one that needs this matter. That's how I know that you are a child. If anyone imagines that he knows and understands anything of divine matters without love, is a joker. Is joke. Is a joke. Is a joke. He has not yet known as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God with all filled reverence, obedience, and gratitude, he is known by Him as His own and is greatly loved. So. That's what Paul is saying here. That receiving the love of God and showing the love of God to others is how we know that you are growing spiritually. It's not by knowledge. It's not by what you know. And that's why I said that you can be right in action, but in heart and before God you are wrong. Because actually, 
the people that were eating meat here, they, they were, you know, like Paul said, and I don't know what less doctrine we know that there's nothing like that, it doesn't exist. It says, but if your eating meat is causing problem for your brother, then you are no longer walking accurately. You are no longer walking accurately. Hallelujah. First John 2, 5 to 10. I'm going to read some verses in this John. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he, who says he abides in him ought himself to also walk just as he walks. See, this is the same thing as Ephesians chapter 5, right? Be imitators of God. Walk in love. If you say, we are, if you say you are abiding in him, then you should be walking in love and you should be getting perfected in love. That's what John is saying. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Again, this issue of the shining of the light, this issue of veil, this issue of dimness going away. Because dimness signifies darkness, veil. Jesus said, are there not 12 hours in a day? He that walks in the daylight, he that walks in the night will stumble. It says, but he that walks in the day will not stumble because he has light where? In him. He didn't say he has light in the sky. You didn't read it. That's what he said. He said, he that walketh in the day shall not stumble because he has light inside of him. So when there's dimness, when there's darkness, when there's the veil, that person is not walking in the light. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we walk in the light to the degree that we are imitating him and copying him and walking the way he walks. That's what shed lights in us. And it's the light of inside that used to do this life, not sun. You know? You remember that uh, when Pastor D was teaching about the outer court and he said that don't stay in the outer court, don't stay under the sun and the moon because the sun and the moon will smite. That's what is happening to the people of this age. The sun and the moon, they are smiting right now. People that are living by the cost of this natural life, they are living under an increasing cost. But when you are living from the holy place, where the light is the seven candlesticks, you have a different life than people who are living in the outer court, right? If one walks in the night, he stumbles because there is no light in him. Thank you. Let's go back to that first John that we're reading. First John 2. Aha. Uh-huh. Let's I think we stopped in 8. He who says in in the light. This is not my words. So if you open your own Bible, you will see it. I did not write it this morning. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is joking. You are deceiving yourself. It doesn't matter how long the tongues, it doesn't matter how long the prayer. Ah. <laughs> Some people, it's not prayer that is the problem. They can pray very well. It's to change that is the problem. It's to let go that is the problem. It's to forgive that is the problem. It's not prayer. If you say 10 hours prayer with 7 days vigil and 21 days fast, it's easier for them than to let go. It's easier for some people than to let go, than to forgive, than to remove hate, 
vengeance, vindictiveness. Hello? Some people, if you look at what happened, some people are actually deserving of it. But that's not what I'm talking about today. I don't know whether you understand. Because the, the, the way the devil receive, deceives us is to rationalize what has happened. Why that person deserves. He keeps reminding, what about, you know, somebody said something that really liberated me one day. He said, the, the devil will be reasoning with you as if he loves you. And you too, you'll be receiving his fellowship. Anytime somebody does something to you, you know, devil will come and help you amplify it. And even now said that on top of it. Azumi did even say it like that. What did he mean by the other one? Do you know that that's how the other day too? Then when that Christian side wants to rise and say, just let it slide. Don't say anything. When the thing is gaining, devil will come back. Devil will come back and say, but he too, when will he say his own sorry? Or when she, will she say her own sorry? It will just become as if you are the fool. Are you the only one? It will help you stir the waters again. The anger will just rise to another level. You'll be boiling inside. Some people don't talk outside, but inside is a marketplace. Very noisy. All no peace. All kinds of things are going on there. All kinds of things are going on there. It says he who loves his brother. No, let's go back to that. It says if you hate, what, is, what are you doing? Verse 9. He who says is in the light and hates is in darkness until when? Until now. The degree of light you have in your heart is the degree to which you are walking in love. Simple. It's very simple. The degree of light in your heart, in your life, is the degree to which you are walking in love. He who says is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. Let's go further. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. This is serious. You know, there's a, there's a book that I read a very long time ago. And every time, from a few, every few years, I always go back and read that book. It's called The Spiritual World by Peter Tan. And one of the things that he, not like I didn't know before, but the way that he's, he described it was very intriguing to me. So when, when I'm losing sight of certain things, I go and read certain books. E.G. This Spiritual World book. Another one that I read often, like I've read it over and over, over a period of many years, is Final Quest. Final Quest, the call, the touch, and the sword. But this spiritual world by Peter Tan, this guy said that every time that you don't forgive, so he had an experience. He went to, this is the, for me, this is the, this is the, I went to heaven I can relate with. I cannot relate with 99.9% .9 of people that say they saw vision of heaven. I can't relate with it. Um, but when I read Peter Tan, it helped me to relate because I realized when I read Peter Tan that people that have out-of-the-body experience, they have it at the level that their spiritual development can, one, take, two, even at that, they still come to earth and misinterpret a lot of things. 
So they are not seeing, he said many of them are not even seeing the light of Christ at all. They've stepped it down many degrees for them. They didn't even cross to, to, to the real heavens. They, they met them in a sphere where they can take small. And that small they showed them is a very small fraction of that place where they even had encounter. But when they come here, they say it as if I saw heaven. I saw the throne of God. I saw God of God. I saw everything. So hey, it makes sense. Because a lot of people's heaven didn't make sense to me. Why? Because maybe, perhaps, there's no, I'm not saying as a matter of fact, but perhaps we are not, in terms of where we are fellowshipping, we are not in the same plane. So what you are saying, I will argue with you that that's not the Lord. The Lord doesn't say that. The Lord doesn't behave like that. That's out of character. There are some, I know that you went to hell, you didn't go to heaven. I mean, like, there are some, no, no, it's not possible. Let's forget about it. But there are some, you are just wondering that what weirdness is this? You get, like, what's going on here? Well, you know, there, there was one that somebody even shared with me on YouTube. This guy said he went to heaven, he saw Queen of England, he saw Donald Trump, he saw them before the judgment throne, he saw that. God, glory be to God. Hallelujah. So, but. <laughs> But Peter Tan helped me understand how people are interpreting the realm of the spirit. I, I mean, the guy, this guy, when he talked about love, as, the, as in, even in the heavens, even to the throne of God, he helped me to understand love as the greatest. But let me not lose my, thro- uh, my train of thought. He said that, you know, one of the things he said, he said, when, when emotions are raging, negative emotions, he says, he pulls evil spirits out of the out of the depths they don't have the authority to stay in the earth realm like they they can't um they can't dwell in the earth realm but when a person allows when a person is filled with negative emotions to a degree you legitimize the attachment to you they can anger revenge Bitterness draws them and, and is like the glue that is keeping them. Immediately you let go, they retreat back to that realm because they can't stay. And I said, when you see riots break out in a city, often because of long-standing injustice and oppression. So something really happened that caused it. And then there's now anger that rises up and and revenge and people riot he said those spirits are unleashed from the bottomless pit like in hordes he said that's what, what is responsible for the destruction mass killings they, people are no longer themselves it's demons that are now they've taken over the atmosphere they unleash death and destruction in the earth that's the activity that is going on at that time he now said when a Christian does not forgive when that that's the greatest injustice you can do yourself in the realm of the spirit. Because what just happened is that you have tied yourself around the sin of the person that you have refused to forgive and you have dragged yourself down. You know, I used to, I used to, I used to, I used to tell God that God, your conditions are tough. Ha, ah, I'm the one they slap. I'm the one they slap. I'm the one that will go and beg. 
you have said if they slap me i should not slap back i should be going now now you now leave that one again i'm not the one that should go and beg on top of pay i am slap she your own is not getting too much by father lord you know why is, am i the person that is responsible for the slapping that i was slapped do you get but later i understood that <laughs> it's not that i'm responsible for your slap that you slap me i'm responsible for myself and for the will of god that's all that's what i'm responsible for i'm responsible for being like jesus who did not think equality with God a thing to be eagerly grasped? In other words, he knew himself. He knew his rights. He said, if I like, I can call legion down and they will kill all these people. I can free myself. It's not that I don't know what to do. But Bible says he humbled himself. And he took his obedience to the extreme of death. And he laid down his life. And therefore, God has highly exalted him. And now understood that the way up in the realm of the spirit is down. The way up is down. Is that humility and obedience and taking all your rights and privileges and who you are and everything. Bible says Jesus knowing who he was. And where he came from, John chapter 13, and where he was going to, then he stripped himself and gathered a towel and he bent down and he washed the disciples' feet. So it was not a matter of low self-esteem. It wasn't a matter of he wasn't aware who he was. I'm not, I'm not asking you that as a matter of not being able to discern whether you are right or you are wrong or as a matter of maybe you want to... No, it's not, it's not that. He knew who he was and he knew that he didn't need the disciples. He was fully aware. Then in that full knowledge, he stripped that privilege and took the towel and bent down and started washing feet. That's what Jesus did. And that's what he's calling us to do. Right? Jesus, knowing that all things were given into his hands, he had, he had came from God and was going to God, rose up from supper, laid aside his garments and gathered a towel, took a towel and gathered himself. Verse 5, after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. Let's go back to that first John chapter 2 that we were reading. Let's go back to it quickly. Right. He doesn't know where he's going because darkness has blinded his eyes. The person who hates his brother. Let's go to First John chapter 4. Okay, let's read 12 as the last verse there. I write to you, okay, yeah. I think 11 is where we should stop. Alright, let's go to First uh, John chapter 4. The one, let's start from 8. He who does not love does not know God. For what? God is love. We have established this, that if you are not walking in love, you don't know God. In this, the love of God was made manifest, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that, he might, that we might live through him. Now, I want you to note something here. Whenever you see the Bible talking about we walking in love or imitating God, you will see that the love of God is first of all painted as the picture, right? In other words, 
if you are not if you don't understand and you are not receiving the love of God it will be difficult for you to love other people some of us the reason why it is difficult for us to forgive to love other people is God we don't even love ourselves we don't even we have not even forgiven ourselves when you see someone who is very critical of other people, who is very judgmental, who is very harsh, very unkind, there's nothing that anybody can do that can be enough. That person themselves, they are not receiving the love of God. Where love flows from for other people, where forgiveness flows from, is realizing how much you yourself have been loved and forgiven. When, when the devil wants to magnify other people's faults and other people's failures to you, if it occurs to you that you are the chief failure and the chief defaulter and God forgave you, it immediately becomes easy to let go of others. The reason why it's difficult for you is because you are still self-righteous. You still think that, no, me, uh, the, the way I'm standing, the way I'm put together, everything I know how to do, it is of my own doing and knowledge. You don't realize that what you have received is grace. What you have received is mercy. And if God should remove that grace and that mercy, you'll be more foolish than that person. You'll be more sinful than that person. You will shock yourself. Have you ever shocked yourself before? Uh -huh. It happens to you in moments. God just allows you to see that, no, it's not that you're that good though. You're not that good at all. Except for the grace of God that is on your life. So we receive the love of God. It is by receiving the love of God. It's the love of God that melts our hearts. It's the love of God that is shed abroad in our hearts that helps us to... It is, an out, it's from, it is from that love that we then begin to love other people, that we then begin to... So if you find it difficult to forgive and if your heart is very hard, one of the ways that... One of the very first places to start is not by trying to love other people. It's first of all, go and receive the love of God. If you are finding it very, very difficult to flow in forgiveness, to flow in, to walk in love, and I will still break down this love work for you before we close. If you are, if you, if, when we get there, if you know that, ah, there's problem here, to the degree that there's problem, you go and receive the love of God. Don't try action first. I mean, keep it at the back of your mind, you know, but more, more, more than trying to, you try to receive the love of God. In your life and see whether you won't flow naturally in love towards others. Not that we loved God, right? He loved us and sent his son to be a preparation for our sins. So we are not the one that loved him first. He's the one that loved us first. We are responding to him because he loved us first. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son as a savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love again he who abides in love abides in god and god in him you know there's times when we we think of the presence of god as something goofy something say who glory be to god the presence of god is here and then you, in your mind the presence of god is where is the goose pimples you know 
say, I'm not feeling God's presence. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling dry. I'm feeling dry. Where's the presence of God? And as you are praying and you are looking, what you are agitating for is goose pimples. You are agitating for one atmosphere that, you know, the thing will just be breeze, to be breeze. Whether that breeze is natural or, or otherwise, or you are thinking the breeze. It will just be breezy. It will just be <sighs> ah, presence, presence, power of the Holy Ghost. No. Hello, auntie. I'll be on cool. No, no. This is the presence of God. This is a pr- you want to practice God's presence. You want to practice the presence of God. Practice love work. To the degree that you are walking in love, to, that's the degree to which you are walking in the manifest presence of God, abiding presence of God. The power that is there is different and better than power. <laughs> you get me now. It's not, it's not goofy la la land. It's not feeling. You know that thing when, when you finish praying, there's a feeling. Feeling is okay. It's not like there's anything wrong with feeling. But don't confuse God with feeling. God is not in the feeling. And so now that you don't have the feeling, you are like a junkie. Eh? You are looking for the weed. And you are not happy. You are depressed. You are feeling that something is wrong with your life because you have not smoked your weed again. If you want the presence of God, the abiding presence of God, how to practice the presence is by walking in love. Once you are walking in love, you are walking in zones of the highest divine energy ever possible. That's where, that's where the highest power is. So don't get it twisted. Love. Ah. If you say, you know, that's why Paul said, you can walk in the spirit, let me show you a better way. Ah, you don't get the gist. You can heal the sick, you can raise the dead, but I show you a more excellent way. Let me show you real authority in the spirit. The one that God is, not the one that God has. When you enter that zone, against such there is no law. Against, he said, he said, how, do, how does he put it? Love never fails. Did you read that? Uh, if you try prophecy, you can hit and miss. You say you are prophesying in parts, you know in parts. If you try knowledge, you can hit and miss. If you try faith, you can hit and miss. If you try love, there's no hit and miss. Never. Never. It can't fail. Say, it's okay. Desire spiritual gifts endlessly coveted, but let me show you something better. Let me show you something greater. Let me show you something better and greater. Let's, let's finish that before we come back to 1 Corinthians 13. Let's finish that 1 John 4. Uh, I think we stopped in 16. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we. So, like I said, remember where I started from? The issue of divine image, divine likeness, divine nature. Once you start walking in love, then so are you. Like, as he is, so are you. That is God walking among men. Right? Verse 18. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. You know, I used to read this and I would wonder how I can perfect my love so that I will not be afraid again. And then I found out that that's not what he's talking about. Because my love is not yet perfect, but his love is perfect. His love is the perfected love that casts out fear. 
He who fears has not been made perfect in love. That then means that to the degree that I am receiving his love and the love is working out of me, to that degree I'm losing fear. You know why? You know where, what fear holds? It holds you. Fear is about you. The reason why you are afraid, anything, check your fears, it's about your life. Immediately that you are not thinking about yourself again, there's no fear involved. Once you have given yourself to God, and God is the one, His perfect love is thinking about you, and you now, you are thinking about God and others, show me where fear is in the equation. What's it on? There can't be fear again. Fear can come in. Take all your fears, they are about you. Remove yourself from your mind, fear is lost. Remove yourself, give it to the perfect love of God. Then welcome God's will and care for others and see what, what, what is fear about. It has no place, it's gone. Perfect love casts out fear, expels every trace of terror. Give me this in the amplified. What is terrorizing you is because love has not been perfected. There's no fear, dread does not exist. You know, some people live with a dread that is not even defined. They are just this, there's just this low-level dread. Evil forebodings. You are sure not happy. You don't even know why. Right? Perfect, complete, full-grown love drives out fear because fear involves expectation of punishment. In other words, something is coming. Whether it's from God or from devil. So, that the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfect in love, has not grown into sufficient understanding of God's love. Let's go back to that. Uh, let's read 19 and 20. Let's see what it says. We love, this is what I've been saying, because he loved us first. That's why we love. We love because he loved us first. Let's see 20. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, is a liar for he, he who does not love his brother whom he has seen how can he love God whom he has not seen I remember a sister said to me once that um, I can't remember exactly how she put it but it was something like ah, I'm just doing all this because of love uh, because of God rather like if not because of, because of I love God this is the reason why I'm standing um, I'm sticking with all these things that are going on in this church. We're attending the same church. It's because I'm sticking, if not because of the love of God. Otherwise, I can't. So the person was complaining bitterly about their team, their team members. And the person also felt that the pastor was not on their side and was like um, siding with other people within the team. And, you know, she was kind of like saying that it's just because of the. So I told her, I said, Auntie, it's not. If you cannot love those, your choir members, you are lying about this love of God. You don't love God. And the pastor that you feel that is against you has done something. If you can't love them, you are a liar. Let's, if you don't love the person that you can see, it's not God, I love you. You don't love him. You don't love him. It's not possible. Alright? Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know, Ephesians 5, where we read, it says, be imitators of God, walk in love. One, let's start from one. It says, be imitators of God and walk in love as God also has loved you, giving himself an offering and a sacrifice. So, 
what I understand by that is, first of all, love starts out as an offering and then eventually becomes a sacrifice. And that says to me that love involves pain and involves shedding of blood and shedding of life. Because, like I said, every time I read about love in the New Testament, the scripture will point me back to the love of God. What God did, how he gave Jesus, how Jesus gave his life and all of that. And it began to, what I began to understand is that when you are entering the, zone, the zones of divinity, it involves, there's no way that you can go around the issue of death and life. Something will die and something will live. Something, when you are, you can't, it's, a, it's an issue of resurrection and I dealt with it last week. Do you understand what I, you know, I dealt with hope. When I talked about hope last week, I, I, you know, I, I preached that, I explained that is an issue of is an issue of resurrection and i told you that the day you gave your life to christ you signed an obituary of sorts in the sense that when we say transition to glory we think about leaving one location for another no transition to glory is leaving one state for another because the people who leave earth they didn't transit to glory except they were given glorious bodies and they changed states and that's why they're able to live in the spirit. And I said those of us who are in the flesh, we are changing states to the degree that we are growing spiritually and seeing the Lord. And I said it's an issue of resurrection of the dead. And if something doesn't die and be buried except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. There is no resurrection if you don't die first right so what i discovered that what love does is that it introduces us to the zones of divinity it takes away it sheds this life it will kill this life and give you new life it's a painful death it involves blood you see that blood the bible says the life of an animal is in his blood I'm not talking physical. I'm talking what it will take from you. First of all, it will start as an offering. Later, it will become a sacrifice. Right? But as you are dying, as your life is being taken from you, you are exchanging it for divine life. You are exchanging it for divinity. You are exchanging it for divinity. And when that, when, you know, it's something I spoke about extensively last week that what is sown, the body that is sown that seed you are putting in the ground is not the same thing that you will reap. When Paul was talking about there are different different cadres of glory, different cadres of body one is sown in corruption, ripped in incorruption, one that differs in glory from another and I said that there's a purpose for your glorious body there's a purpose for you in glory it's not a matter of I got to heaven and I'm staying in mansion because Jesus, our first example. Look at Jesus. Is he in heaven and staying in mansion? Is that what he's doing? Like when he got to heaven now, he's now eating golden banana, he's staying in mansion. Is that the end? You are reading of him as our high priest who is ever living to make intercession. And I've been teaching that even in your glorious state, I'm not talking about when you finally even change location. Even right now, you are able to walk in more of the will and the purposes of God. You are able to push back a greater weight of darkness. You are able to push more light. 
because of states, the, to the degree that you are changing, to that degree you are able to push weight in the spirit. So your transition is not meaningless. It's not so that it can just happen. You will read of Jesus who for a while was subject to the pain of death and now is exalted, is raised, you know. That scripture in Philippians chapter 2 that I've been talking about, you know, um, humbled himself and all that and then God has highly exalted him, giving him a name above all names. I think it was in First Peter chapter 2 where he was talking about him who, let's, I want to read that before I read First Corinthians 13. I'll end in First Corinthians 13, but let's read First Peter 2. Let's just go to the, the last few verses there. Just start reading from, I don't know, um, maybe, aha, thank you. This is Jesus. Who, when he was reviled, you see him? Do you know what it means to be reviled? To be like someone is abusing you, attacking you, saying things about you and to you that is absolutely despicable. It was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. Ah, hey God. Some conditions in Bible are they are <laughs> he suffered, he did not threaten. How? How? How do you suffer and don't threaten and don't say anything? He committed himself to him who judges righteously. Let's go to 24. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we haven't died to sins might live for righteousness. Who by, by whose stripes we were healed. For you were like sheep going astray but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. What I was trying to bring out from that place is that he's going to he's been reviled and not reviling back. He's been um, he's been threatened or is suffering and not threatening back. What did he result in? He result in the is resulted in the salvation of our souls and he resulted in the healing of our bodies. He resulted in his ability to bear our sins on the cross. Remember Jesus when that scripture I read where. Bible says, John 13, he knew who he was, where he was coming from, where he was going to. He took a basin and took water and began to wash his disciples' feet. You know what that signifies to me? And you know, Peter now said, um, what did Peter say to him? Peter said, Lord, you won't wash my feet, you remember? And then he said, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have a portion in me. And I said, no, not only my feet, wash my head, wash everything. Jesus now said, no, no need to wash your head. You are clean. But I, by the words I speak to you, but only your feet require washing. What does that mean? It means that as believers or as Christians, as believers in Christ Jesus, people who are following the Lord, we are essentially clean. Like I've, like I've taught before, in our spirits, we are, we are, we are Christ. We are, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You see, the feet signify our sojourn in this earthly plane. And from time to time, we will get it dusty. You know? Bible says that, says, God said to Adam, you are dust. From dust you came, you return to dust. In Christ Jesus, that has been reversed. We are no longer dust in Christ Jesus. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We have divine nature. But because we are still in the earth and we are still walking this realm, from time to time, the feet that we are using to walk this realm, we get dusty. 
Thank you. It will get dusty. We outlaw Satan and sin when we learn to wash each other's feet. That's why Jesus or Paul said, love covers a multitude of sin. Love is what deals with sin. You see that thing that Peter Tan said that he saw in the spirit, that when you don't forgive somebody, you tie yourself to the person's sin and you drag yourself down. When you forgive, you remove the power of that sin. Not just... There are a lot of things that happen in the spirit realm that we don't see. We don't understand the ripple effect of it. You may not see any immediate thing in the physical, but you have weakened the hold of sin in the atmosphere. In that, I've told you the story before of where I went to serve as a young girl that just came out of university. I got to the place where I was going to serve. When everybody was looking for oil company PPA, I must serve in bank. I must serve in wherever they were going to serve. Wherever they put me, I went there. The only business I had when I got to that place, I didn't care about the salary. I didn't care about whether it was our company. I didn't care about whether I would get a job after. That one is God's prerogative. <laughs> that one is that one is ends in God's law. I didn't. You see how fear was driving people. Say, I don't want to teach in a school. If I teach in a school, I won't get a job. That's fear. That's fear. I didn't have those fears. That one future, I've given it to God. I'm here for the will of God. So I said, once I get to, got to that building, I said, I don't care the spirit that is ruling this place. But there can't be two princes. As I've come now, you are outlawed. Sin can reign and righteousness reign at the same time. In this environment, I outlaw lawlessness. I outlaw iniquity. I was very young. And I, I didn't say it to anybody. I didn't go to manager and say, you are outlaw sin your life. Where are you? Mm-mm. I reported as a normal copper. The only thing is that this copper is not normal. There's nothing normal about this copper. But they didn't know. First thing that happened, the lady that I was sharing office with, ha, ha, yeah. You know something will even happen. Two of us will have attackation. What is wrong with you? Get out, get out. Then we'll say we are fighting, Abby. No, you don't need to fight. You don't, nothing needs to happen. In fact, you can greet each other very, very well today, have rapport. The next morning, without anything happening, she will just not greet you. If you greet her, she will not answer. And if you try and say, ah, Glory, what is it? She will shout at you. She will, she, will, she, will, she will do as if you are a piece of death that just touched her. She was, she was a terrible person experience and I was sharing office and the day she greets, I greet the day she doesn't greet, I greet and I ask her what she wants for lunch the only thing she can do is beat me, attack me physically but you can see the hate now sometimes this, this thing will leave too and she will be normal but when it comes, it can be there for three days four days I was, I was there with her in that office. By the time I had spent six months in that place, then the guys, because it was like some sort of computer institute, they sell computers, computer spare parts, and then they had a school. You know, I think they were doing some networking courses and things like that. And of course, the lecturers were all guys. The guys, they will now come downstairs after work, and then they'll be and then they, they used to come downstairs and gist with us normally before. About six months into this, into this space, 
the most notorious of them. And you know that that side is notorious for fornication and, and in a school where there are students, girls. Things were happening in that building, plenty. One of the, one that had, one of the ones that had the worst reputation, one day out of conversation, I just said, hey, hey, which church do you attend? Out of nothing. Just said, which church do you attend? And all his disciples that didn't know that they were his disciples, they said, hey, it's true. I've been wanting to ask you. That day was a Wednesday. We used to have something we call capstone service in the, in the church then in, in, in Calabar. I was going to Waterbrook. I said, we can go today. Today's a special service. That's how we closed and went to church. And from that day behind, one by one, all of them, they would come and confide in me about issues. And I had opportunity to talk to Christ about some of them, not all of them eventually now who was who was fighting but in this in as because of the response of love in that atmosphere the hold of sin the reign of sin was coming down when you walk in love you arrest sin you see the power that you used to heal the sick is one kind of power but the power that used to change the heart the soul of a man is another kind of power the power that will round off sin in an atmosphere, in a life, in a home, in, in a place of work, in an environment. In this, do you know? Do you know that when you come to church, when you come to church, and it's, not, it's not Sunday morning mark register. Are you aware? Are you aware that if you really understand what you are doing and you are walking in obedience, the atmosphere of this yaba can be entirely dependent on what you are doing. You are not aware. You know, that's why we are careless. That's why we come to church and we think about, oh, what's the next program that we can do to attract people? Because we don't know what we are doing. I'm not doing program to attract people. I'm doing program to outlaw Satan in this environment. I wasn't sent to Yaba to gather people so that everybody will know that I'm the new person that can preach in the atmosphere. No. I want to be here. And the prince of this environment is having problem. In my not talking, it's not even about my preaching, in my lifestyle, in my decisions, in my responses, the prince of this environment is getting weaker. And that's why they increase the pressure. Have you, have you noticed that when you decide to forgive and walk in love, the pressure will just go up. The person will just become mad, girl. Oh my, mad, kitty. Is the spirit behind it that is responding so that you can quit that thing that you are doing. But you dig in and you stay. You dig in and you stay. You dig in and you stay. Eventually I was told, the accountant in that place called me and said, how did you do it? When I was there, he said, how did you do it? There is no scopper that has successfully stayed with that girl in the same office. I just smiled. I had the same experience, I think, when I was leaving school. The last room I lived. Ah, those girls. You know. But it was all exercising love. It was exercising authority. I will read that First Corinthians 13 before we finish. Let's just read it. That's the last scripture that we'll read and then we'll go. We'll finish. First Corinthians 13. We need to read it. There's something I'm going to tell you to do that will really help you. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I, are, I have become sounding brass or clanging. So it doesn't matter how high the tongues are. It doesn't matter how deep. It doesn't matter how long. 
I have, I have the gift of prophecy. I understand every mystery. You know, you know, one of the things I can't understand these days is the... I know Nigerians have loved title from time, but it's getting worse. You just see one small child and I say, I'm apostle. You see another small baby, say, I'm general. Overseer. Hey, be coming down. Oh, man. Even, no, why, why do you want to hold in yourself for you? What's the matter? You see 20-something, say, we are general overseer. How come? General of what now? And they will mandate people to call them general something. You've not seen it. It's not even... It's not even wait, we, <laughs> you see them, many of them in campus. There was one day I saw one, one young man many years ago. He was a pastor of a fellowship. I saw him in the street in town. He was coming with bodyguard like two. He was a child. He was a child. This boy... Maybe it would have been early 20s. They carry Bible. I saw them in a bank. Came to First Bank in Akure. Oh, carry Bible. Oh, did like this boy came out. I, I felt so much sorrow. I felt so much sorrow because. I just felt this one, they have finished him before he has a chance to start. They've finished this one before he has energy. Before, before he has started, they have, they've already finished him. Who wants to teach this one? They were calling him Papa. Nee. They were calling him Papa. <laughs> ah, Papa. I said, you know, I was, I, I was so burdened. I was so sad. I said, who, who is doing this to these children? And sometimes the children are doing this to themselves anyway. Because you see the good examples, you won't follow that one. Billy is coming to all our campuses. We don't like that one. We don't want Billy. You don't want bro. It's, it's, no, that bro doesn't appeal to something on your inside. It's the papa that is... This boy is, so, is such a child. If, I, if he's old, maybe 21, say papa. Papa, yes, sir, Papa. Uh, uh. You have already, you have finished this child. I have the gift of prophecy. I understand all mysteries, all knowledge. I have all faith. So it's possible to walk in gifts. So it's possible to preach. It's possible to do church. It's possible to do ministry work and not be growing. It's possible. I mean, is that not what we read in First Corinthians chapter eight? It's possible to have all knowledge. And though I have all faith, I can remove mountains, but I have not love. I am what? Nothing. Nothing. It's called empty barrel making the most noise. That's why we have to trust God that what matters to God is what matters to us. One day God defined hypocrisy for me because I was worried that I wasn't perfect and I was, I was also anointed. So when you're not perfect and you're anointed, then when people want to get to you, they will call you hypocrites because you will misbehave. So they, will inv- they want to invalidate the anointing and the call and then they will call you hypocrites. So it became that I didn't want to preach again because, so that, because I was a hypocrite. So no, God said to me, no. Now what you are doing is hypocrisy. I said, how God? I don't understand. He said, when you major on the minor and you minor on the major, that is hypocrisy. What people are saying about you is minor. What I am saying about you is major. How I measure you is major. 
what I think is major. You are reacting to reputation, what people are thinking and saying. That is minor. So God redefined hypocrisy for me. So I understood that real emptiness, real hypocrisy is when my religion is going on in front of you, but my love work is zero. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give body to be burned, I have no love. It profits me nothing. Love suffers long. Now, this is the offering stage. This is the offering stage. You remember, you remember God, um, uh, Paul said, love is first of all an offering and then later a sacrifice. This is you treating other people well. This is the offering stage. Give me this thing, the amplified, please. I want to read it amplified. This is the offering stage. This is you now treating people the way that you should treat them. Love endures with patience and serenity. Love is... Ah, you don't have amplified classic, AMPC. Do you have that one? Okay. Let's, I will manage this one. Love endures with patience and serenity. You know patience is not waiting. Patience is you, how you behave when you are waiting. That's what patience... That's what really determines whether you are patient. Whether you are possessing your vessel in that waiting. How you are waiting on God is what determines whether you are being patient. Not like you just have to wait anyway. Because some of us are waiting and throwing tantrums. Love endures with patience and serenity. Love is long-suffering. Love, is, love endures long and is patient and is kind. You know, that's what another translation puts it. So, one of the ways that you measure your love work is how long-suffering am I? How enduring am I? Some people are easily provoked. Some people are even already edgy. You just need to touch it small. How, and how much can I endure? Can I stay? Can I bear with people? Love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful. Love is not jealous or envious. Love does not brag and is not proud or arrogant. That AMPC said it doesn't go around with airs. You know, there's a time, there's a way where you are, you are not saying anything, but the way that you are carrying yourself. Inside, nobody knows, but you are, a, you are a big boy, you are a big girl in your own right on the inside. You are, you are full of airs. Nobody knows, so it's just a transaction in your heart with yourself. But you are wearing airs, and you know, sometimes those airs come from maybe your background or where you are working, how much money is in your pocket, um, you know, some statuses you have been used to. Sometimes it can even come from the anointing, and you are wearing airs. Doesn't, doesn't have shoulder pad, whether it is visible or not. That's, an, that's the modern language for heirs, for proud and arrogant. Let's go further. This is how you, so here, like I said, it's talking about how you treat people, how you endure with people, how you are not proud, you are not arrogant, you are not insolent, you are not, um, how will I say it? You are not jealous of people, you are not envious is not rude is not self-seeking I have to read this thing amplified this thing is not giving me the yeah it's not provoked overly sensitive easily angered you can open your bible to if you have it on your tab or somewhere you have amplified AMPC you can look at it 
is very close to this, but there's, there are some words I'm looking for. It said, it is not rude. Here, he put unmannerly. It doesn't, it's not unmannerly. It is not rude. It does not act unbecomingly. Alright? So sometimes, rudeness is not just that. What you say. The way you act can be rude. And it's not always to elderly people. You can be rude to a friend. You can be rude to a younger person. You can be rude to a subordinate. Doesn't act unbecomingly. It's not unmannerly. God's love in us does not insist on its own rights or on its own ways. How many of you are reading in the AMPC? Are you there? Raise your hand. You have it on your device. Am I reading right? Does not insist on its own rights or on its own way. In other words, you are right, but you are not insisting. That is love. Your way must not always be the way. That is love. Does he insist on his own right? You are right. You are within your right. You are not insisting on it. Within the context of what is happening. You can lay down your rights. You can lay down your own way. That is love. It's not self-seeking. It's not touchy. Fretful or resentful. Touchiness. Moody. Fretful. On the edge all the time. It's not resentful. It takes no act. This now we are entering the zone of sacrifice. Aha. It takes no account of evil done to it. Now we are finished that you should not do evil to other people. Now they have done evil to you. They have now you've you finished your offering now. You have you have acted well, you have been long suffering, you were not rude, you were not easily angered and all those things. Now, you have been offended. Bible says that you can't keep accounts. You can't keep score. You can't take account. I don't know about you, but this one was very hard for me. You know what it means that you can't take account? Do you, know, do you understand what it means? You don't understand what it means. You can't pay attention to suffer drunk. Let's even tell him that what you did is wrong i am not the only person that has monopoly of madness i can match what you have done i just choose the holy spirit and the lord says no you can't even do that in fact you do as if it didn't happen take no it doesn't have record there's nothing like because he did that because she said that how difficult can that be take no account take no account you don't understand it ah you need to have a difficult person in your life before you want because the account will be full like this and the lord will say empty it empty it there's nothing in that account you can't keep record you can't keep score you can't keep record of wrong nothing you you do as if it didn't happen you pay no attention to suffer drunk love takes no account you know you know how how this thing, how I, how God trained me in this. And I'm not perfecting it. There are seasons where I still have to go back. You know how God trained me in this thing? I removed everywhere that there's love in this verse 4 to 8. I removed all the places where there's love in this AMPC. And I put Tokwe. And I read it every single morning 
So it's in my subconscious until it became ingrained in my subconscious. Before I respond, the thing we re answer. Tokwe takes no account of evil done to her. Tokwe pays no attention to suffer wrong. Tokwe is not rude. Tokwe is not boastful. Tokwe is not vainglorious. Tokwe does not act unbecomingly. Tokwe is not fretful. She's not touchy. She's not resentful. Tokwe does not rejoice in iniquity or unrighteousness, but rejoices when the right and truth prevails. So the thing starts responding from my subconscious before I have choice to before I have let's finish reading it. Six. What does it say in six? It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but it rejoices when the right and truth prevails. Tokwe bears up under anything and everything that comes. She is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Our hopes are faithless under all circumstances. Tokwe never fails. That's how I put my name in everything. This is, this, is, this is the nature of my father. This is my nature. This is what I do. Ever ready to believe. The, you, you see that ever ready to believe the best is, is that even when that person is at the worst, my, my readiness is to believe the best of them. Let's say Josephine has done it over and over and over and over again. She has done it over and over and over again. And then somebody comes and says that she has done it again. But I was not there. It was not in front of me. I can't take the, what that person has said. I can't say, ah, she be there as how she is. I, uh, something that I've known since. No. No. That cannot be it. Even at that, I am ever ready to believe the best. Even when that person is at their worst, I'm still believing the best of them. Let's read verse 8. Endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. It can never fade out, become obsolete. It can never end. As for prophecy, it will, you know, it will end. It will be fulfilled and pass away. As for tongues, they will be destroyed and cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. It will be superseded by truth. Nine. For our knowledge is fragmented. Our knowledge is fragmented. Our prophecy is fragmented. But when the complete and perfect comes, the incomplete and imperfect will vanish and will fade away. That completeness, that perfection that is coming is the love of God in us. Colossians chapter 3, I think verse 12 to 14 talks about, um, let's read it, Colossians 3, 12 to 14. That's the scripture that we'll pray with. Therefore, as elect of God, holy and beloved, put on what? Tender messes, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. I can give you plenty of scripture about scriptures, you know, that you can read further about love. Um, 
And one of the things I said to you earlier is that the Pauline prayers develop us in love, especially um, the, the prayer in Philippians chapter 1, your love abounding yet more and more. Ephesians chapter 3, being filled, um, you know, coming to know the love of God, which passes knowledge that we may be filled with the fullness of God. So you will see increasingly that there's no fullness of God without the fullness of love, right? There's no fullness of God. There's no perfection. There's no maturity without love. This love is the ultimate pursuit of a Christian, a believer in Christ Jesus. If you are not, if you are not, if you are not growing in love, you are not growing at all. You can be, you can be doing every other thing you are playing. But love is the evidence that you are becoming like Christ. Love is the evidence that the flesh is going and the divine is coming. Love is what makes you abide in God and God in you. Love is the divine presence. Love is the divine nature. And God wants us to receive his love increasingly so that we can flow in his love. Not our own. No. If it is your own, it will still be selfish. You will still be looking for reward behind it. Have you heard somebody say, after all that I did for him, after all that I've done for her, that your love has not, is not sacrifice yet. Maybe it's offering, but it has not become sacrifice. When it becomes sacrifice, then it has entered the zone of divine. You are not looking for anything. When Jesus died, he died to save you. He didn't die to save himself. You will do for others, not because of you. It's not, it's not after all I've done for him. It's after all that God has done for us. I'm privileged to be a part of those that get themselves and outlaw sin and iniquity in the earth. Let's rise to our feet this morning and just trust God for their working of love in us. I want us to pray and ask God, you know, let's, let's pray with Philippians chapter 1 verse 10. You can just put it up. Let's pray that our love would abound yet more and more in all knowledge and in all judgment so that we'll be discerning. Philippians 1 9. This I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment that you may approve the things that are excellent and be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Can we just turn this to prayer? I want us to just pray with this this morning. I want my love to abound. First of all, I want to know and fully receive the love that you have for me. And I want to flow in love. I want to walk in love towards others. I commit to love today and I ask that your love in me will abound yet more and more in all knowledge and in all judgment. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Marodolobo Shatania Kasadia Jefarotoma Tati Sabota Jefroto Kati Manasia Emanananamashato Farika Dabadibosa Ebatosis Egida Masha Tania Kota Barota Abota Nani Matona Jekianonza Protonania Kataladi Ebotonona Makatadia Botosa Jipotonia Karataladia Bonosia Ebonom Patisa Frotashi Catania. I want to know the abiding presence of God. The abiding presence of God. The abiding presence of God. Manonzia Katosi Patona Ninja Rekatalia Tona Atema Kota Diaba Asima. I want love to energize me to, to strip myself and to serve the brethren. 
to cover a multitude of sin. It is the Holy Spirit that helps us do these things. It's not wishful thinking. It's not determination. It's the, it is the grace of God. I want us to trust God for that grace this morning. I want us to trust God for that grace this morning. In the name of Jesus. Marota I want you to pray this morning. I want you to pray. I want you to take the time and just pray that your love will abound yet more and more in all knowledge and in all judgment. <laughs> 